There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls because I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like him, but I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, if you haven't heard yet, uh, this is me telling you, you need to take a look at the new boots from lacrosse and they fall under the navigator series now what they've done is they've taken the best parts of a rubber boot and the best parts of your traditional hiking and hunting boot and they've mashed them together to come up with this new line of boots from lacrosse and that is the navigator series now they have the women's windrows they have the men's windrows and then they have the atlas the Atlas series within that as well. So go to lacrossefootwear.com and check out this new line of boots that they have. I've been using mine for a couple weeks now, and I am very impressed with the the fit and the feel, and I can't wait to get them in the woods this hunting season and uh, give them a trial run. So lacrossefootwear.com, check them out. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing bear. In many parts of the country, guys are starting to bait bears right now for the fall seasons check out northwoods bear products for all your scent related attractants there are parts of the country where it's not legal to bait but it is legal to use some amount of scent i know that new york is that way 
There are, however, in most places where it's illegal to bathe, it's also illegal to use scent. But check your regulations. You may be able to use scent to attract bears. You may not be. But if you do, check out Northwoods. And if you're baiting bears, wherever you're at, if you're in Canada, if you're in Arkansas and Oklahoma, if you're in Idaho, if you're in Maine, check out Northwoods Bear Products. And a lot of times on this podcast, I've talked about Northwoods Gold Rush. Well, today I'm going to talk about their gold dust, okay, which is a powder. Sometimes the scent attractants are can be messy. Some guys don't like that. But these powders, they have a bear attractant called gold dust. It says it's 500 times sweeter than sugar, and it's ultra powerful scent that you just sprinkle on it's like in a it's almost like in a spice container but check out northwoods bearproducts.net for that this podcast is going to be different than anything that we've ever done what we're going to do well first of all i've got my good friend brent reeves in the office with us and colby the bear tech moorhead for those of you that don't no, we don't really give Brent much of an introduction, but Brent has traveled with me all over the place filming. Brent was the cameraman that was with me when the bear touched the end of my arrow in Saskatchewan and that YouTube video. Well, Brent was behind the camera. So Brent's a good friend of mine. Brent was in the office, and here's what we did. We listened to a song that was written in the 1960s was covered by Lyle Lovett later, and you're going to listen, the next thing you're going to hear when my voice fades is you're going to hear this song play, and we spend an hour talking about this song, drawing parallels to bear hunting, bear biology, and life from this incredible jewel that we just discovered the other day. You're going to have a lot of fun listening to this podcast. Here's the song. Some folks say there ain't no bears in Arkansas. Some folks never seen a bear at all. Some folks say the bears go around eating babies raw And some folks got a bear across the hall Some folks say the bears go around smelling bad Others say that a bear is a honey sweet And some folks say this bear's the best I ever had And some folks got a bear beneath their some folks drive the bears out of the wilderness and Some to see a bear will pay a fee Me, I just bear up to my bewildered best and Some folks even see the bear in i 
come to see a bear with pay fee For me I just bear up to my bewildered best And some folks even seem a bear in me So I meet a bear and take him on out to lunch with you Even though your friends may stop and stare Remember that's a bear there in the bunch with you And it just don't come no better than a bear So meet a bear and take him on out to lunch with you Even though your friends may stop and stare I just remember that's a bear there in the bunch with you And it just don't come no better than a bear Man, that is a good song. It is. Very listen, unique. Listen, so the other day, Colby and I are here in the office, and somebody tagged Colby on Facebook with a little Facebook music video. And it was Rebecca Spring, our friend Justin Rebecca Spring up in Montana. The right. bear puncher. She is <laughs> known worldwide for having fist punched a bear in the dark i think in oregon we talked about yeah. it on one of the podcasts yeah yeah yeah, yeah. conservation is a rodeo conservation is a rodeo. yeah so rebecca spring tags colby and all she says is hey this is you guys okay and it was just like a little meme looking thing and so it's it was totally the kind of thing that you you, you might just overlook which we both did for a few days you know we just didn't quite catch up with it and then colby plays it and I said, what did that song just say? <laughs> and the first line of this song says, some folks say there ain't no bears in Arkansas. And I about came unglued. <laughs> and we listened to this whole song. And I'm serious. I was like giddy like a schoolgirl when we listened to this song yeah. called Bears. And so I immediately texted Brent Reeves, who is a, he's with us today at the global headquarters. Brent Reeves, hey Brent Reeves, hello, Welcome. hello boys. So Brent Reeves is a connoisseur of music. Of all my friends, like I love music. Don't get me wrong. I would never go out and like search out music. Like I really appreciate music, love music. It's like yeah. I'm moved by music. Yep. I will never in my life go like look for good music. Now Colby is a music dude. Yeah. Yep. And I would consider you a music guy. Oh yeah, we man, my wife and I, our whole family, we'll travel anywhere if we, you know, to listen to somebody that we yeah. that we enjoy listening to. Yeah. It's like a family, you know, event. And so I knew that you were gonna have heard of this song that's covered by Lyle. We, well, we thought it was from, we thought it was written by Lyle Lovett. Right. And we did some background, which we're going to share with everybody. But this song is called Bears by Lyle Lovett, and it was on YouTube and it was on Facebook. Colby had never heard of it. Nope. Colby's here with us, the Bear Tech. Yep, yep. And I'm from Texas. And you're from Texas. Yeah. Never, never heard, heard of the song. Yeah. So I text the YouTube link to Brent, and 
what do you do, Brent? Well, you, you said the text was, and, I, and I'm reading it, why have you never told me about this song? Yeah, so I was I, mad at you. I thought there was just, it was one of any number of songs that I had not when, told when, me about. When, when, we, when we drive to Canada, we've got 30 hours to listen to music podcast and talk and sleep and argue and fight yes. which clay always wins yes and why we had not we had listened to every song that was ever recorded as far as i know yes and any number of those i would say oh man i like this song who sings that well that's willie nelson who's that guy that's usually what clay's response are oh yeah i recognize that song but he don't know who any of the people are so when Sorry. he sent me this i'm thinking this is going to be some elementary. I'm going to get to make fun of him. I'm going to get to yeah. poke fun at him. Colby and I are going to ridicule him for not knowing this song. And when he started playing, I thought, well, that's why I love his voice. But I have never heard this song. And it is the coolest song I've ever heard in my life. It, man, it's got, like, if it if it had these lyrics and was kind of a crummy song, we'd probably still be doing this podcast. Yeah. But it not only has cool lyrics, the it's tune. a good song. Yeah, yep. the tune is good. Like it's got that kind of classic, classic rock sort of country. Yeah, uh, like old Eagles stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like from the seventies, like country rock, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But Eagles play. That was a rock group back in the. <laughs> oh really? In, yeah, back I in thought the, it was a conservation group. Take it easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy, Brent. Take it easy. But it, it is. Don't man. get me with the music puns, guys. <laughs> the, I won't get it. <laughs> the. the uh, the tune and and the the whole interpretation of the song and the music is really cool, and I'd never heard it. Well, so so when I hear this song, we play it like over and over here at the global headquarters, somewhere between five and ten. <laughs> Maybe we lost count on our fingers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so immediately, my mind starts to dissect these lyrics, and I begin to like see into each line. But before that, I say, let's do some research on this song. So Lyle Lovett didn't write this song. Nope. He kind of made it famous just when he covered it in the 90s. So who wrote no, it? Stephen Fromholtz. And what do we know about Stephen Fromholtz? He was a really cool dude. Yeah, a good songwriter from Texas. Uh, he originally recorded it, and he recently died in 2018 in a hunting accident. Bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Is that not bizarre? It is. A guy writes a song about bears. Lyle Lovett covers it. Mm-hmm. We listen to it. Go research the original songwriter. And he, he Stephen Fromholtz was kind of a, is he kind of a country singer? Yeah, yeah. They call him, uh, uh, they say he's uh, from the cosmic cowboy world. Okay. Like yeah. Texas country. Like Texas, Texas country, country. Yeah. Some folk. Okay. Like folk is kind of the... Thing. And so he wrote this song when? I wanted I saw I had it here somewhere. I think it was in the sixties. Yeah, it was either sixties or seventies. It's no old. Way. Yeah, it's a long time ago. So Stephen Fromholtz writes this song. And apparently Fromholtz was in his time and with his people a pretty well known guy. I think from everything that I've read about him, because I never heard of him either, but I've heard some of his music that other people he was Covered. more known. As a songwriter than a performer. Yeah. Okay. And down around Houston and Austin, wherever exactly he was located, there was, I think Austin maybe, there is a, a whole culture down there, Texas music, that you'll there will be some guys come out of there like Pat Green. He's mm. a big mainstream guy. Yep. But back in the day, 
you know, he was well known, but it was a small circle. Kind of in those yeah. circles. Yeah, and I think that's what the deal was with this Fromholtz guy. Well, okay, so everybody would kind of a household, more of a household name would be Lyle Lovett. Sure. Okay. Well, we watched a deal earlier where Lyle Lovett said that he opened for Stephen Fromholtz. Yeah. Yep. And he talked about how Fromholtz would come. So he said if you were the opening act for somebody famous. So that was kind of a, you know, at one point Fromholtz was bigger than Lyle Lovett. Sure. And he said that Fromholtz would come out and meet the guys that were in his opening act, which was a rare thing in Lovett's eyes. Right. And so Lyle Lovett really had a lot of respect for Stephen Fromholtz. And then Lyle Lovett said that he learned how to play this song, Bears, when he was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was one of his favorite songs, he said, to play. And, okay, now this is going to tip us off to the meaning of this song. Because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna spend some yarns here about what the meaning of this song is. Lyle Lovett said it's one of his favorite songs about human nature. Yeah. Okay. So this is the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. <laughs> They've written a song about Arkansas bears. Maybe, uh, you know what? Doggone it. There's another song about Arkansas bears. Oh, is there? No Part- doubt. An old song. Yeah. Older oh, than we this. Gotta, we got to look it up. Part two. No. We need to look it up now. Oh, really? Um, no, there there is an old like folk song from the 1800s about Arkansas bears. Really? Yeah. Let's take a time out. Yes, yeah. we Listen will. To we it. will. The in mm, so Arkansas <laughs> Arkansas was known nationally in the 1800s because of bears. Right. Because of a story written by a guy called it. In the the title of the story was called the Big Bears of Arkansas. I'm pretty sure it was a by a guy with the last name Thorpe. Okay, mm-hmm. and the they used to call him. Uh, what did they call him? They had they had name. It was it was like a specific type of writing that was like. I haven't done my research on this. I'm pulling this from years ago of mm-hmm. learning about this. But the 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 story was written and published in all these big Eastern magazines like New York. New York newspapers, New York magazines. And back in the 1800s, that was the only kind of media there was. Yeah, okay? Harper's Weekly. What, what do they call those? Uh, it's some kind of Western, um, thank golly. But it, it's like they exaggerated the truth. Oh, I mean, yeah. like in these stories, they tall would. Tale? It wasn't a tall tale. They called it it's something with Westerns, but we're gonna, we'll, we'll look it up. But, but basically, it was a classic way to tell a story. And this guy wrote a story about the big bears of Arkansas. And it was the story of a guy on a riverboat in the Mississippi River going... To, this is what the story's about. Right. So this is... And the story is that there's this guy... No, the character's name was Jim Thorpe. Mm-hmm. Maybe not Jim Thorpe. Thorpe, something Thorpe. And he is on a boat, and he's a mountain man from Arkansas, and he's on this boat going down with all these people, going, rich people going to Louisiana, or people that didn't know Arkansas. And this guy starts telling stories about the big bears of Arkansas and how their grapevines is... As big as trees, and the, <laughs> and the ground was so rich and fertile, and the bears were huge. And this story became real well known. So people, you know, how people would just identify a certain region with stuff. Yeah. Arkansas became known for bears in the 1800s. Yeah, we were the bear state for a long time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We were known as the bear state, and it came from that time period. And uh, so anyway, but there was a story written about Arkansas bears during that time. Um, 
Yeah, we totally got to take a timeout. All, All right. right. Timeout. During this podcast timeout, I want to tell you that the September-October issue of Bear Hunting Magazine is going to be reaching our subscribers before the 1st of September. This is an incredible issue. We've got an article and a ton of pictures from Ed Vance, and we've got uh, some hound stuff from Utah. We've got the article about a big bear that I killed in Oklahoma last year, 550 pounds. Check out bear-hunting.com. And hey, use the code BHM20 to get $5 off a new subscription. Back to the podcast. Time in. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. And we're back. Okay, sad story. We cannot locate the song that I vividly remember is an old folk song, but we did, we did look at uh, the article, Big Bears from Arkansas, written in 1827 by Thomas Bang. 1827, that's what you said. 41. 1841? I think so. We did some massive research on this. <laughs> okay, written by Thomas Bang Thorpe. 41. Not, not Jim Thorpe, the athlete. All right. Yeah. Um, and, it was, and it's called Southwestern Humor which is where they exaggerate to kind of prove a point in these big, colorful stories with big characters, and it's a lot of fun. But my whole point was is that there was a time when Arkansas really was nationally known from bears. I actually read a book. I don't have it in here, but it talks about how the, the title of it is how a state got its name from hillbillies, bear hunters, and outlaws. That is the title of an academic book written by a professor up in uh, southern Missouri. Oh. And it talks about how that th- those stories coming out of Arkansas, which there were these writers that would come in, and, I mean, they were looking for colorful things happening, you know. Sure. And, and that one story by, by Thomas Bang Thorpe's, like, kind of got it in people's mind, bears in Arkansas. Because there were bears in Mississippi. Sure. There were bears in Louisiana. Texas. There were bears in Alabama. But like this one story kind of branded Arkansas about bears. And then it's like it started multiplying. And like people would come here and they would say, Oh, there's bears in our and, and so it it was an example of how that like the culture kind of became known as bear hunters. Which is uh, what's we were amazing branded. to me is that the average Arkansas sportsman today wouldn't know that. We were branded by social media. Yes. In eighteen forty one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's exactly right. It and works the same today. It's just a lot quicker. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit quicker. Yeah. So that that happened. Um, so we were talking, though, about about this Fromholtz guy right. that wrote mm-hmm. this song, Bears. Bizarre that this guy last year, this would have been like an old man. Like yep. Fromholtz would have been, I don't know how old he would have been. but 68. 68 years old. Yep is in Texas and is doing some hog hunting on maybe one of his ranches. Yep, yep, he was a rancher. Tell us what it says. Uh, it says that he, the accident involved an unexpected discharge of his shotgun, and the feral hogs have been menacing the goat population on his ranch. Wow. So, yeah. Golly. That's bad. So a little gun safety talk here. For real. I I read an article, another one was a news article that said that that I don't remember if it actually 
claimed, but it alluded to he was taking a, a firearm out of the truck when it discharged. Yes. So, I mean, you can only – somehow, mm-hmm. you know, the barrel was pointing towards him. Yep. Just, can I Can I tell you guys a story? Sure. I love a story. Two weeks ago. Yeah. I I put it on my Instagram story of a giant walking stick that was in my truck. I did see that. I saw the picture. I, I looked up the scientific name of that walking stick, but it, it's actually called a giant walking stick. That's the name of it. The like scientific it. name is, is different. <laughs> They'd have run they're, out of everything else. They're, yeah. they're six inches long. The females can be over six inches long, and they're about as big around as your pinky finger. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Yeah. So the other night, we went coon hunting, and one of those things got in my truck, okay? And the kids were messing around with it in the back, and we're kind of, we had some kids from out of town that were with us right and they were kind of afraid of it well when we got done when we got home everybody just got out of the truck and went on (laughs) and i didn't think much about this giant walking stick this is a this is a gun safety story that's going to get real serious here in a minute i get in my truck the next day and that giant walking stick is on the top of the driver's seat passenger seat Headboard, you know, like the headrest. Headrest. Yeah. It's just sitting there, perched like an eagle. <laughs> and it, it is Ready an ominous-looking critter, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, we'd coon under the night before. I had my Ruger ten twenty two in the seat, and it was the longest item that I had. And I did not want to pick this thing up with my hand. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I am very safe with a gun, and the gun was unloaded and didn't even have a magazine in it. I knew that. Yeah. But I didn't double check that. Yeah, I just knew that because I don't. I always, when we leave a coon tree, I take the magazine out. Right. Jack shell out. Knew the gun was <clears throat> unloaded. Well, I decide that I'm going to use this gun to swipe this walking stick off the top of my truck. <laughs> I pick up this gun, and in just a flurry of activity, I swoop at that thing. Oh, I know what happened. I reached in and got the iron sights like behind him, like put the barrel right up beside him. And, you know, like the iron sight would be on the end. And I was going to swoop it back towards me (laughs) and out the door. Well, when I did, I I pulled the gun back towards me. The gun hits the door, bounces out of my hands, lands on the concrete, on on the butt of the gun, just bam, right in between my legs with the barrel just sticking like right at me. Wow. No no shot was discharged. The gun was 100% unloaded. But in that moment, and the walking stick flew out of the truck, it worked. But I thought, <laughs> golly, that's how people get killed. Yeah, yeah. For real. <laughs> yeah. For, no, for real. Because like, something totally unexpected happened. I didn't expect <laughs> the gun to bounce out of my hand onto the ground. Thank goodness no one was there to see it, so no one will ever know that that happened. Could was- you imagine the article? <laughs> there was oh. there was two of Clay you Clay Newcomb <laughs> brought down by a walking stick. <laughs> yeah. There was two of y'all that got surprised by that twenty two. You and the walking stick. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't I don't want to take light of a gun safety accident, but I did want to say that. So it's a funny story. Yeah. At the same time, I literally kinda took a deep breath because mm-hmm. when I was a kid, my dad, I very vividly remember my dad telling me that one time he pulled a shotgun a loaded shotgun off safety out of a truck towards him. Yeah. He was bird hunting, quail mm-hmm. hunting, 
and gun was laid across the back of the seat. He reaches in and grabs it, pulls it towards him with a barrel towards him. And he looked down, and the gun was loaded. And he said he never made that mistake again the rest mm-hmm. of his life. And as a little boy, that impacted me because he, yeah. you know, I mean, he told me the gun could have shot me. And yeah, so well, you know, the lesson there, if I may interject, is weapons are used for one thing. Yes, you know, any time that you mishandle them or you use them for something they're not intended to be used for, that's when you can endanger yourself. Like. Were were you at home when you did this? I was elsewhere. Okay. Wherever you were, could you not? I mean, how long would it take for you to turn around and find a stick? Exactly. (laughs) So. Exactly. So. That's the lesson, kids. Well, and this this guy, so this all goes back to Fromholtz, who wrote this song, Bears. Got killed in a tragic, tragic gun-related accident. Bizarre. And 68, you know he's learned Ah. these lessons before and, like, knows not to do that. Sure. So he just let his guard down once. Or he wouldn't have got to 68. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's how you get to 68. Especially on a ranch. For real. Yeah. So so that's that's our gun safety talk there. (laughs) But so so Lyle Lovett, transitioning away from that (laughs) terrible story. Right. And Lyle Lovett covers this song. Bears. Yep. And let's we're gonna go through the lyrics. This is what we're gonna do on this podcast. Okay, we're gonna go through the lyrics line by line. Kobe's gonna sing them, <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna dissect this song. We're gonna pull out some parallels of bear biology, bear hunting that probably were not the intended meaning of this song. Yep. But we're also gonna talk about kind of some. There's a lot of different. There's whole forums on the internet about what this song means. Mm-hmm. Hey, Lyle Lovett, what do you know about him? That dude, great songwriter. His, his music or his singing style, I don't know if you would categorize it as eclectic or what. I mean, it's different. I mean, his voice is very unique. Yeah. But uh, this cat had some game. He was married to uh, Julia Roberts one time after like <laughs> after like a three week engagement. I read and this, you know, I'm just in reading 1992. This. Yeah, back in the 90s, this dude was he was hot as a firecracker, and he was in a movie with her or something. Anyway, they wind up being married, and I don't think the wedding cake got bad yet before they weren't married. But a couple of years, maybe. Well, I uh, love it. Married to Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts, the the uh, movie star. Wow. Okay, that's so. That's what we know about Lyle Love. Yeah, but you know, you know, that is not his his claim to fame. Obviously, as he is a tremendous songwriter and, and has written songs, been recorded by a ton of folks. Yeah. Now and Lyle Love it still a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe we, we should have sure. we should have seen if Lyle Love it would have been on the podcast. He yeah. was. Uh, yeah. He was okay, born. Lyle, in, if Lyle Love it hears this, we'll we'll do a second one if he if he wants okay. to come out. Yeah. Okay. All right, Lyle. He was we'll born in '57. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or or adjacent, somewhere adjacent to the global we'll make headquarters. Sure the air conditioner's working if he comes. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. real. So, okay, first line. We're gonna just dive right in here. We're gonna dissect these lyrics. Let's do it. And we're gonna learn something. Okay, first line. Some folks say there ain't no bears in Arkansas. I want. I really would want. If I wish we could ask him, where did this song come from? Like. Somewhere in his history, like he pulled that from somewhere because he could have said, Some folks say there ain't no bears in 
Canada. Arizona or Canada, but he said Arkansas. So I I want to know where did that come from? Well, he's a Texas. He's a native Texan. He grew up in Texas. You know, maybe maybe he came up here and hunted some. Or, well, do you think Arkansas would have been the closest like bear country to him at the time? In order, I would say so. You know, in the '60s, it probably would have, especially if he was in East Texas, because that's what's incredible about. And we talk about it pretty quite a bit on this podcast. But Arkansas was once known as the bear state. It had fifty thousand bears in the state. Arkansas is roughly fifty thousand square miles. By nineteen forty. The Arkansas Game and Fish Commission claims that bears were extirpated from their native range except for a small area in the lower White River drainage, which is also known as the Amazon of North America. For real. I've been there. So, yeah, you duck hunted a bunch over there. Yep. So, supposedly, there were f- the only bears left in Arkansas from a population of 50,000 was 50. And those bears were, they were... They were cut back so much because of market hunting, which I'm quick to say is nothing remotely like the hunting that we do today. Market hunting means guys made a living going out, shooting bears, selling their meat, selling their hides, selling the oil. They were a valued commodity. A guy could make a good living hunting bear in Arkansas. So he was, he was, uh, you know, he was, there was incentive to go kill bears, which is no longer part of what we do. The North American model of wildlife conservation prohibits the sale of wildlife. Right. Okay. So that was one reason. The main reason, though, was habitat level loss and and uh, and deforestation. I mean, basically every square inch of Arkansas, except for some of the ultra steep stuff that was so steep they couldn't log it, was logged. Yeah. And, and yeah, and logged and then turned into farms. Yes. And so by the 1940s. There was no place for bears to live, and there were no bears here because they killed a ton of them. And and that was people coming out of a vermin mentality. A vermin mentality would be like these are wolves, mountain lions, and bears are bad. They should be shot on sight. A lot of people still have vermin mentality with like poisonous snakes. Yeah. Um, right now, though, we've now moved into an era in this country where we view Wolves, bears, and lions, for the most part, as valuable wildlife, you know, resources. Yep. Wolves are another story. Yeah. I'm going to extract wolves from that. Yeah, because I, I don't want to be in that. <laughs> yeah, no. I, that's another yeah, podcast. That's another podcast. But here in Arkansas, bears are like now. I mean, it's like, oh wow, bears are awesome. Back then, they weren't. Bears were like, kill the bears. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he's writing this in the 1960s, which is interesting. Because the reintroduction of the Arkansas black bear, which yep. is considered by, by biologists as the most successful reintroductions of large carnivores in the history of the world. Correct. And right here. Happened between 1954 and 1964 when the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, without public input, brought in bears from Minnesota and Canada in pickup trucks with wire cages and released them in three locations, two in the Ozarks, one in the Washita's. They released 254 bears over the course of 10 years. And so in the 1960s, the only bears that were in the Ozarks in Washita's would have been these bears that they brought in. Correct. So some folks say there ain't no bears in Arkansas. I got news for them. They are now. Well, and that's what's amazing is that 
after 25 years of the reintroduction. And again, this was a time before social media. This was a time when there was no public input. They weren't having game and fish meetings down at the courthouse to give public input. Right. They just did this, and they thought it was a total failure because these bears just disappeared into the Arkansas wilderness. And I didn't know that. Yeah. We've talked about this a hundred times, and, I, and I've heard you talk about it and tell other people, but I never thought, I never, I don't remember you saying that the game of fish thought it failed. They they thought it failed because, but think about how reclusive yeah. these animals are and how small the population was. Yeah. And basically, you know, 10, 15 years later, People were seeing bears. Bears were coming around. Bears were just popping up in new places. And in 1990, they did the first scientific research study. I've met the man that did it. It's a man named Kim Smith and Joe Clark. I've never met Joe Clark, but Kim Smith is retired now. Kim Smith did a, did a, did a research population study on Arkansas bears. James Lawrence in the Ouachita Mountains yeah. ran into those guys with big telemetry things back in the late 80s oh wow yeah james tells me about that that he they were riding their bronco through the washtals and saw these guys and they were searching bears and it was it would have been kim smith and sure. joe clark two guys huh. but by 1990 there were 2500 bears in arkansas hundredfold increase to from 254 bears to 2500 and it was not a failure it wasn't and okay and then i got to go back to to my story though because they say by 1940 there were no bears in Arkansas. My wife's grandfather. I don't think I've told the story on the podcast. My wife's grandfather named Lewis Joplin. He was a logger in Polk County, Arkansas. Best we can tell, it would have been in the late 20s or 30s. He killed a bear with a rock when he was a young teenager. <laughs> the last one. He may have killed the last one. No, okay. So thanks, Misty's, Grandpa. So when I started dating Misty, and she knew that I was a hunter, she said my grandpa killed a bear with a rock, and I was like, "No, your grandpa didn't kill a bear with a rock." So I, I really just thought this is, and she was just like totally offended that I didn't believe this story. Okay, justifiably, sure. Yes, but it was just like this family story, like they call, uh, you know. They called him Paul. He killed, a, he killed a bear with a rock. And it's like. So how's the story go? Do you well, know the okay. particulars? So I didn't believe it. I just didn't believe it. But Lewis Joplin passed away at age 89 uh, in the last seven to eight years. Mm -hmm. Before he died, I went to his house and I asked him. I said, did you kill a bear with a rock? And he told me the whole story. And he did. He said he was walking down the road, and uh, and he said a bear cub just ran out in front of him and saw him, and the bear cub got scared and ran up a little tree about four inches in diameter and just ran up, you know, 10, 15 feet off the ground. Right. And was just sitting there. And that makes total sense that a bear cub would have spooked at a human. Yeah. And he said he didn't know what to do, so he just started chunking rocks at it. <laughs> And finally, he hit it, and it fell out of the tree dead. Hmm. And he said he was scared to death and presumably disposed of the bear. Like, right. he didn't, like, he, you know, he, 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 it was just a stupid thing. Like, he wished he hadn't done it, and he thought he was going to get in trouble. 
and he he didn't tell anybody for years. I don't know. Maybe he told his brothers or something, you know. But anyway, but he killed a bear with a rock. Wow. And so Brent thinks it may have been the last one. Could have been. <laughs> it was like he throws a rock, bear hits the ground, and the end. Yeah. That was, and the Ozarks and roll, of, roll of credits. <laughs> oh, man. But, okay, but this this was my conclusion years ago because I was trying to find what was the significance of that 1940 date because that's when they said they were totally gone. And, uh, and they – because there was a breeding population if there was a cub. Right. Yeah. In the late 20s, early 30s. So, anyway, that's that's my story. Maybe they weren't all gone. Maybe they But some folks, so we're going back to the line here. Some folks say it. Some folks say there ain't no bears in Arkansas. <laughs> line two. Why don't you take line two, Brent? Line two. Some folks never seen a bear at all. Okay. Talk to me. First bear I saw... In Arkansas, was with you. One was of, it the one you killed? Nope. It was the first. That was, nope. That was in Oklahoma. First, did we see a bear over there? We did. Um, yeah, but yeah, the, the second year, the third okay. year, the first, the first bear I saw in Arkansas was the first, the first bear that came in before I killed the second one. Okay. That was the first bear you ever saw. Yep, live in Arkansas. That was it. And I'm, uh, I'm 153 years old, and I've been <laughs> stomping around in these woods forever. Well, what I think is interesting about these lyrics is that he's tapping into things that are actually kind of common. Mm. Like, yeah, some you can folks validate. Never, some folks never seen a bear at all. You can Man, va- you can you, validate a lot of that stuff. You know. Well, you could go talk to veteran hunters in the Arkansas, Ozarks, and Washtals and say, how many bears have you seen? And, and, and unless somebody's hunting bear and baiting bear, most, like, good hunters have probably just seen a handful of bears in their life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I didn't see a bear in a hunting situation until I was in my 20s, and I grew up in some good bear country in Arkansas. Now, I did see a bear cross the road when I was, like, a junior in high school at night saw a bear cross the road but i mean i hunted in these mountains and never saw a bear the first my first recollection of somebody seeing a bear my dad and some friends they were coyote hunters they they had walker dogs and they chased coyotes with them and this happened at night and the dogs would run and the coyote would eventually get away and they'd catch the dogs and we'd go home and we'd go do it again some other time on a rare occasion the dogs would bay the coat, and they'd go out wherever it was, get their dogs, take them back to the, bring them back to the truck. The dogs, we were three miles from my dad's house. We were on a timber company road, and the dogs, we'd been running this coat for an hour, just listening to the dogs run. Well, the dogs bay 250, 300 yards off the road. Man, I'm just a little kid. I'm... I, at that time, I was probably six or seven. But if he made a trip. Would it tra- have been in the 70s? That would have been like 72, 73. Mm. If he made a track somewhere, I put one right in it. You know, I went with him everywhere. Mm-hmm. But he said, the dog, he said, we got, it was him and, and another fellow that he hunted with a lot. And they had two small, dim 
desail flashlights. And it was a thicket where they had made this coyote in. So I wanted to go with them. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Like, no, son, stay in the truck. We'll be, we're going to go get the dogs. We'll be right back. I can't get you out there in this thicket. And it was a thicket. I mean, a rabbit had to tote a hatchet with him to get around mm-hmm. out there. So the dogs are barking. They go out there. And it's just a minute. They come rolling. I mean, rolling back to the truck. And I thought, well, it's a hog. They, you know, dogs are baiting uh-huh. a hog out there. He said, no, it's a bear. Mm. I'm like, that. A bear. He's like, yeah, it was a bear. The dogs got a bear bait out there. So they go back, and by that time, the bear was gone. Now, they're using small, dim flashlights, you know. like They were shocked. They were absolutely shocked. And now that they, they initially thought it was a hog because we had wild hogs down there, still do. Yeah. But when they got up there and the, they got to where they could see, they could see it was a bear. And that was... Uh, like I said, that would have been 70. What county from, in Arkansas would that have been? That would have been in Cleveland County. I mean, then that's not even real bear country now. No. Mm-mm. No, now in south, of there, there's a few folks seeing some in yeah. uh, in Cleveland County. But in Bradley County down in Felsenthal, in the in the big river system, the National Wild Refuge down yeah. there, Wildlife Refuge, I got a buddy that's a technician down there, and they, they see them all the time. Well, you know, the Game and Fish is officially coming out and saying that they're going to have a limited bear season in the Gulf Coastal Plain of Arkansas. That is right in the heart of it, yeah. 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 So that's a big win. So that would have that been, you know, anywhere from 72 to 74. Yeah. So how he was there, where he was going, Amazing. he was there then. Well, some folks never seen a bear at all, he says. Yep. All right, going to line number three. Some folks say that bears go around eating babies raw. <laughs> That's just science. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, dissect this line for us, Colby. Man, I don't know how you dissect it too much. They go around and predate on so many young animals, including their own. Yeah, you know? you're right. Yeah. For real. So that's just like the nature of a bear. The nature of a bear. Yeah. Okay, we got to jump back from the literal to the metaphorical. All right. Because, so, yeah, yeah. Th- this is why when, when Colby and I first read the lyrics, we were like, some folks say the bears go around eating babies raw, and we thought about fawn predation. Yeah. Ungulates. Man, there's, there's, uh, there's scientific studies in Newfoundland of these big bears in Newfoundland going to calving areas before the caribou even get there, waiting on them to come and have calves. We did a story. There's one. Number two, we did a story in Bear Hunting Magazine three or four years ago about one of the most recent grizzly bear research projects that had taken place in Alaska where they didn't just put tracking collars on grizzlies, but they actually put video collars on grizzlies that took five-second clips like every minute or something of their life. Well, I mean, for the life of that battery. Right. And 17 grizzly bears. And if I hadn't read it myself on the pages of Bear Hunting Magazine and knew that the author had got it directly from the research project, 17 grizzly bears killed over 200 moose fawns. That is incredible. One spring. One spring. That was 17 collared. Yes, yeah, bears. I mean, of the ones that they had collared. Yeah. And they'd collared like 30 bears, but like collars malfunctioned and different things happened. So they were saying, you know, our research was basically on 17 animals, and they documented over 200 
fawn kills with those 17. So, I mean, that's like, uh, and the math escapes me, but, I mean, that's like 15, 20. Uh, that's a bunch. Well, it would be in the, in the, in the tens at least, like 12, 12 fawns per bear per spring, something like that. That was recorded. Recorded by the Alaska Game and Fish. Bizarre. Okay, now we'll jump back to the what we think this song is talking about. Lyle Lovett said this song was talking about human nature. All right? And so this song is building it's building a it's building a scene of bears like have being like misunderstood. And what he's really talking about maybe is about misunderstood humans. People, yeah. Misunderstood. So some say bears go around eating, but you know, like the worst possible scenario. Yeah. Like some say that guy is the worst. What, what do you, what do you, because the song just builds. It builds. Some folks say that bears go around eating babies raw, but then it brings it back to something like close to home. Yeah. Some folks got a bear across the hall. You know, you also means they live with a bear. Taxidermy, taxi. Okay, we're going back from literal, <laughs> metaphorical, literal, metaphorical, metaphorical, literal. You also got to remember too that he had to find a word that rhymed if he wanted to complete this sentence, this stanza. Yeah, because you know, <laughs> English songs, majority of them, they they, they rhyme. Got a little rhyming. They got to rhyme a little bit. So some folks got to. Uh, a bear across the hall rhymes with some folks say that bears go around eating babies raw. He could have said, you know, anything. Some folks say that bears like to play kickball. And he could have said that. It would have rhymed. <laughs> but, but listen, but what he does through this whole song, though, that's consistent, is he says something really eccentric and wild and negative and then comes back and brings it home yeah. to almost like normalize it. Because the, the second... The second stanza there says, some folks say that bears go around smelling bad. Others say that a bear is honey sweet. Yep. <laughs> that, I think that's, what key is that? R? What is it? But yeah, but that's so, right. So he does that the whole time. And then he says, some folks say that this bear is the best I've ever had. Some folks have a bear beneath their feet. Yep. Some, so it's like it goes from it goes from one thing to the next. Who's calling Bear Hunting Magazine on a Saturday? Is that Lyle? Man, people, <laughs> people Lyle. are wanting to subscribe. Yeah, it's probably Lyle Love it calling Bear Hunting Magazine now, on a Saturday. You guys got no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. He feels a disturbance in the force or something. Oh, man. Yeah, just leave a message, buddy. We'll call you back. Get you that three-year renewal. On Use Monday. Use code BHM45. BHM45 to get a three-year renewal for $45. Oh, that's this a bargain. This guy would do that. Okay, third stanza. Some folks drive the bears out of the wilderness. Mm. Thinking about a lot of things here. This Frommoltz had a basic understanding of bears. Yep. I mean, if you were just to ask me, like, where do bears live? I would say bears want to live. An unfragmented wilderness, mm-hmm. not fragmented by roads, not fragmented by by human man-made things. Um, and Bear Hunting Magazine wasn't around back then. No, it wasn't. Where did he get his information? Wow, who knows? A Texas guy. No kidding. It's crazy. Great point. Yeah. Well, um, so some folks drive bears out of the wilderness. I, you know, I had the thought of uh, Pennsylvania. 
they do bear drives. Oh, there's, really? a, there's an article in the September October issue of Bear Any Magazine. It's called To Roust a Bear. That's the name of the article. I saw that. And it's about uh, how they do drives. Brent and Pennsylvania, they can't run hounds or bait. And they've got this rugged, rugged terrain. Mm-hmm. And they'll get, they have groups. I mean, this is like super common in Pennsylvania, is that they'll line up guys on top of the mountain and have standers and make a drive. Make a bear drive. It's like they used to do with deer and yeah. pheasant. Tigers in India. Okay. Beaters. Yeah. So this, you know, some folks drive the bears out of the world. They do that in Pennsylvania. Sure do. Some to see a bear would pay a fee. I did that three weeks ago. How's that? Springfield, Missouri at the, uh, the big bass pro shop. Oh, you went to Wonders of Wildlife? I did. How was that? It was cool. Is it like world class? It is. They have some world class mounts in there. Big, huge bears. Aquariums. Yes. Live penguins. All of the above. A lot of Native American stuff. Awesome. It is. Would you? I would recommend it. You know, you first you get you look you look it up online and think, wow, that's expensive. When I got, it was probably three hours. We probably spent three hours, three and a half hours in there. Yeah. If my feet hadn't been killing me. I would have turned right around and paid it again to Is go back right? through it. Yeah, it was awesome. Wow. We took my little girl, who's she'll be seven end of this month, end of August, and absolutely enjoyed every bit of it. That's yeah. a, I mean, it's like a world class museum. Would you describe it? As absolutely. That? Yeah, it's awesome, man. I mean, really, I was natural American history. What are they? What? Are they, how do they categorize Wonders of Wildlife? Uh, I don't remember if there was any other. The, the, the best about, description. The best description is the wonders of wildlife. Because when you walk in there, man, you it, it is you're bug eyed at the displays that the at the. So you saw the, a bear in there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's lots of good stuff in there. Right on. Okay. The well song. The, the song takes a turn here. So it says, "Some to see a bear would pay a fee," and then he says. Me, I just bear up my bewildered best, and some folks even see the bear in me. Mm. Now yeah. it gets deep. Yeah. A little self-reflection. Mm-hmm. So he's jumping from all this talk of bear to the bear in him. Everybody's got a little bear in them. Mm. I think he's talking about, like, the worst of himself. Could have been. Yeah. So my question is, why do bears... Have to be the descriptor of what's worst inside of somebody. Normally, it's a snake or a wolf. Yeah. Why would it be You're a bear? Right. So maybe it means something totally different. No wolves in Texas? I hadn't seen any. Well, okay. I got it. Lay it on me. A bear does have kind of a... Uh, a uh, What's what's the word that would describe oxymoronic? Because like a like people would view a bear as like this cuddly thing, like someone that didn't know a bear as a wild animal, right? Would view a bear as like this cuddly thing, but someone that really knows bears knows that they're a voracious predator that would. Well, just, I mean, they even named assume. one species of them. You know, grizzly is the name, is the descriptive name of them. Yeah. So. Well, but that's why he had to use bears for this, sure. not wolves or snakes. Yeah. Because there's nothing cuddly about a wolf or a snake. That's true. But there is something culturally cuddly about bears. Teddy bear. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why he had to do it, Brent. Or maybe it was just the stuff that you can hide. Like they're secluded, you don't see them. So maybe he's talking about the stuff, these deep internal things mm. that you just don't see and every once in a while somebody pegs you. Me, I just bear up my <laughs> bewildered best. And some folks even see the bear in me. Mm. Okay, now here's where the song turns from kind of like building a case and then he kind of he kind of reveals his hand right here when he says and some folks even see the bear in me like when you're listening to the song and you hear that you're like oh <laughs> you, 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 you know you're kind of like thinking is this a hunting song is this what's this all about and then that this is the turning point of the song okay is there a phrase that we would that describes the turning point like in a play like there's all these different stages of the play you know that like I'm getting radio silence. Are you are you fishing for an answer? Yes, you are. Or you, well, you let's just to... call it. Let's just call it the turning point. Okay. Okay. I, did you not say that a while ago? I don't know. I did. did. I think I originally I said this is the turning point of the song. Yeah, that was and the I best. expected you guys to have a real answer for me. <laughs> that's the best description. The climatic shift. <laughs> there you go. Okay, that's what I needed. That's what I needed. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's really the a climatic term. climatic shift happens here because we go. Some folks even see the bear in me. Oh, wow. And he says, so meet a bear and take him out to lunch with you. Even though your friends may stop and stare, just remember that there's a bear in the bunch with you, and they just don't come no better than a bear. So now that's a good thing. Now there's a bunch of us. There's three of us here. One of us is the bear. <laughs> Which one of us is the bear? Or well, are a bear we, in all of us. Or are we all bears? No, I think, I think he, he, he's, what he's saying here is that like, take a bear out to lunch. Like, like he's saying befriend people that are unfriendly. I think that's what he's saying. What do you think, Colby? Could be, could be. I think he's saying there's, there's people that society doesn't give a chance because they're growly. They have teeth. They have claws. Their 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 world has shaped them in such a way that they are unapproachable, like a bear. And he's saying, "So meet a bear and take him out to lunch with you." It's like, "Oh, really? You want me to take a bear out that, to lunch?" That's the cool thing about music and the vague way in which songs are structured, because it leaves it up. A good song to me could be interpreted three different ways by three different people. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, I like where you're going with that, and I don't, I don't disagree with it at all. Yeah, even though your friends may stop and stare. So yeah. if there's somebody that's ostracized from society for whatever reason, it could be a little group of people, or you know, and he's saying, even though your friends may say, "Why are you doing this for this guy?" He says, "Just remember, there's a bear there in the bunch with you, right? And they just don't come no better than the bear." I put a little note here that I think what he's saying is that sometimes people that are ostracized from society, they build like a callus, a coping mechanism, a way to deal with society that appears to be gruff and mean and wild and rough. But actually, deep inside that person, there is some good qualities. And I think what our buddy uh, Stephen found was that you befriend a bear and you actually see the good inside of people. I worked with a fellow in the woods a million years ago who was a, 
He's passed away now. But he was a, a World War II veteran and saw some terrible combat. And to the world, he had, there was a handful of people that he would talk to and a few of them that he would talk to without, you know, being gruff. And I just happened to be one of them. I was just a kid, young kid working with him. And he, uh, you know, you don't, that guy was, in my mind, I think he was fighting World War II every day, mm. you know, and thinking about it. And it, it caused him to have that gruff exterior where everything made him mad and everything aggravated him, everybody aggravated him. Mm-hmm. But we would be alone driving to a job or coming back from a job or eating lunch on the side of the road in the middle of the woods or whatever. What were you doing, logging? We were marking timber, managing timber. Okay, yeah. So, and he would, he would, come up with a story about something that happened to him in the service or in his childhood about going fishing with his grandpa or doing this with his son or and it would just be the most poignant story and you know I can remember all of them verbatim all the ones he told me and the, so the he was a bear no doubt people called him and they said man that guy Mr. so and so he's a bear he's a grizzly bear and that 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 what you just said there rang true with that. That made me think about him because if if there ever was somebody that had a bear inside of him, it was it was him. But yeah. he was a I loved him, man. He was a good dude. Yeah. And he's seen a lot of things and Yeah. He did he sacrificed a lot for all of us. Man, I thought you were gonna dive right into one of his stories. Well, he uh He um, he told me a story about we left uh, we left our office every day, and I would drive, and he'd always tell me where to drive. And yeah, I remember in the hot summertime, we got in the truck and we took off, and it was man, it was hot like it is now. We went out, and we marked timber all day, and we checked on the loggers, make sure they were in the right spot, and you know, cutting their trees the way that uh, the timber company wanted them to cut them. And we get ready to go back home, and this was every day we worked now. The quickest way to get back, because our trucks didn't have air conditioners. Mm-hmm. The quickest, Just like this office. Yeah, exactly. The quickest way to get back to where we parked our personal vehicles when we, and we could go home for the day was the way that we came, that we went to that, that job. Okay. Well, we got back in the truck, and we got I get ready to make that turn, that left turn back on the big highway to go straight mm-hmm. back to the mm-hmm. office. He says, turn right. Mm. I'm like, oh, man. He says, turn to the right, and we're going to go up here about four or five miles, and we're going to take so-and-so road and go back. <clears throat> that is going to take us 30 minutes more to get back home. I said, I am hot and tired. And he said, I never will forget it, man. He took a pack of cigarettes out of his pocket. He pulled one out and he lit it up. He took a puff, he blew it out the window, and he looked over towards me. He said, son, have you ever been ambushed? And I said, no, sir. He said, well, I have, and we ain't going back the same way. 
we came out here. (laughs) (laughs) And every day, and he had been doing that. I'd been working with him. back the same way we came out here. I've been working with that guy for two years, and it happened every day. And finally, I got the gumption to ask ask him about it, but that was the deal. We it it happened. It happened to him and fighting in the in the Pacific. You think he was just looking for a little extra smoke break? Though? No, no, he wasn't. It was a habit he got into because I we talked about it further. I said, "Are you kidding me?" He said, "It's just a habit." He said, "And so far, it's been good." And we never, <laughs> long as I worked with him, we never got ambushed. Oh man, okay, yeah. So. That that was the bear, and that was the method for. They just don't come no better than a bear. There you go. There you go. He was looking out for me too. Ambushed. That's good. Well, hey, the song is pretty much over at this point because it repeats that chorus again. Yep. It says so. Meet a bear, take him out. So he, so the writer, Fromholtz, that was his point because he. It's the only. It's the only chorus that's said twice. You know, so because he he repeats it again. When you meet a bear, take him out to lunch with you, even though your friends may stop and stare. Just remember there's a bear there in the bunch with you, and they just don't come no better than a bear. Yep. I agree. That one that one rang true with me there about that guy. Stephen Fromholtz. Well, wow. So we've added some of our literal bear interpretation to this song that I think would have gone back into the architecture of where that he formed some of these ideas. For real. Like, some folks say there ain't no bears in Arkansas. Like, if there had been bears here the whole time, he wouldn't have written that because in Texas they wouldn't have known that there maybe there are bears, maybe they aren't. Maybe they're not, yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, like, literally, he wrote this song from a framework of stuff that we know and deal with. Some folks never seen a bear at all. So some folks, you know. Interesting stuff. Well, hey. Yep. Where do we go from here? I don't know. Uh, we did. We accomplished our goal. It's a good song. It's a good song. So we're going to play that song again. Colby, closing comments, thoughts? Well, I think it's time to go get some lunch. Got to take a bear to lunch with you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, really? Are you that hungry? Time to take a bear to you lunch know, with just, you. Brent, know, listen, that'll work. Steven. Cove is our color phase bear. Yeah. Yeah. Ginger. Ginger bear. Well, hey, we got we to gotta thank Rebecca Spring for finding this song yeah. for us. Yeah. yeah. It's so cool. Uh, I, I dropped the ball. On, I dropped the ball you on that one. dropped the ball for sure. <laughs> Never heard it. Never heard it. But well, it's gonna, it will be continuous hey, on the playlist. Here's what we can learn. The conservation point inside of this story is is that we can't ever let it get to the place where people have these questions about Arkansas right. or anywhere for that matter. So we gotta we gotta keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live. There ain't no bears in Arkansas Some folks never seen a bear at all Some folks say the bears go around eating babies raw Some folks got a bear across the hall Some folks
Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds i like pot calls i just like pot calls i enjoy calling with a pot call whatever direction you go including a box call which i don't personally use too much but they're fun and great and i started out with them yanni on the other hand one of my main turkey hunting buddies he loves box calls and what's funny is i'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey so it's not that I don't like them. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today.